Hey, everybody. It's um, uh, Al Condalusi and the You Can Call Me Al podcast, uh, uh, sponsored by the Interdependence Network. Um, and today we have a really uh, fun conversation that we're looking forward to with Joyce Steele. And Joyce is an advocate and, uh, you know, a, a, a professional, a parent, uh, um, you know, a longtime um, you know, warrior, if you will, in the uh, disability rights arena out of Rochester, New York. And Joyce and I have been uh, been friends for many, many years and have done a lot of work together. And we're so delighted uh, to have uh, to have Joyce with us today. Joyce Steele, welcome to the You Can Call Me Al podcast. Thanks, Al. I'm happy to be here. Great, great. Looking, Thanks, Joyce. Looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely, it's always it's always so much fun when 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 we get a chance to uh, uh, to chat and to talk and and you know Joyce you know I've known you for many many years and you know you have uh, uh, lots of uh, other folks that uh, that that uh, you work uh, closely with but can you can you tell us just a little bit more about you know how you got started as a disability rights advocate. Sure. Um, and it's funny, Al, as I was thinking about our conversation, I realized that I've probably been predisposed for this work. I was thinking back to my days actually in high school, you know, when you could co-teach with other mm -hmm. teachers, and um, I had the opportunity to do that. And I ended up being drawn into and actually wanted to co-teach in the special education classes. So it's really mm -hmm. interesting when I think about my history and how I have felt about people with disabilities. It really started way back then. But I wow. guess formally, yeah. more technically, I've been in the business for over 30 years. And I think, Al, I was wow. just getting my feet wet, you know, as an advocate. Um, when you and I met at St. Mary's Hospital for the Brain Injury mm -hmm. Association Consortium, what, over right. 30, again, over 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where I yeah, got yeah. That's kind of, that's probably where, I, you know, I really technically got my start. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, when I went to college, and I had to get, I was going for special education. I went to the learning labs and they were, you know, making a few restraints. I said, uh-uh, can't do it. Had to mm -hmm. walk away from that. Um, yeah, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't handle that. And then, honestly, once I had Adam, and as you know, he, um, he has a disability, my need mm -hmm. to, um, to learn and to grow and to, how to and learn how to navigate the system really was accelerated. And that's when yeah. I just started looking around and I just kept saying, there's got to be a better way. You know, based yeah. on what I was learning and what I was told, there had to be a better yeah. way. So, you know, yeah. fast forward yeah. 30 years later, here I am. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It's, you know, it's really interesting when you sort of think about the, the paths that advocates take. Um, there's always, you know, some really powerful either story or experience that launches us in, into, into this. And, and, you know, as you just articulated, uh, you know, uh, being exposed to some of the ways that that folks with disabilities have been treated uh, in institutional settings or in very very yeah. structured settings where yeah. where there's restraints and whatnot, boy, that can that can be a huge catalyst. And you and I kind of share that that very similar experience. Uh, I you know I I started my career off in a, working in a in a large institution in Pittsburgh and witnessed yeah. the very same things that you just talked about and and it was really um you know it was the launching pad in some, in many ways for for me and 
And you know that 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 experience that you've had, and and also your experience with your son Adam, um, really kind of gets to an, another piece of this puzzle, and that is the values that um, that you know we ascribe to in terms of our advocacy. And you know, can you say a word about that? I mean, staying consistent with values is very challenging. Um, in in many regards, because there's um, there's often you know these um, either lures or these uh, these uh, hurdles that we have to jump that right. that challenge the values. Can can you say a word about the values that you have as it relates to your work as an advocate and as your role as a mom? Sure. Well, I you know I think that um, along the way, and I don't know that I always thought as strongly as I do now. But along the way, I just believe if you talk inclusion and values and advocacy, all means all, right? So mm -hmm. um, when, I, when I pay attention to, you know, folks with disabilities, you know, no matter where they are, if they have, you know, learning disabilities, if they have significant behaviors, all means all. So yes. everyone is entitled and actually should be a part of the community. Um, yeah. So that you're right, but that does get challenging because at least in our area, and I'm sure every you know areas across the country as well, there are parents that just feel that their kids are better and safer in a segregated environment. So the mm. challenge for me is then really how to be present when they're talking about that, how not to want to scream and say, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> um, um, yeah. But really, you know, make sure because we don't get anywhere if we don't calm down, step back, and really listen and have you know and communicate well with each other. So that yeah. for me has been a challenge, but I still, you know, I still move forward. I respect other people's beliefs most of the time, um, mm -hmm. but I really try <laughs> to show them a better, I really try to show people a better way. Better way, quite yeah. honestly, because if I look at Adam, right? So Adam, at the age of 14, went to live in a segregated environment because his behaviors were so significant. Um, he was in mm -hmm. danger to himself. He was danger to our other two children. And I did not, I didn't know what to do at that point. I just knew that I couldn't, yeah. you know, support him in a way that he needed to be supported. So fast yeah. forward, he lives really in a segregated environment, you know, group homes, things like that through the years for just about 15 years. But mm. then lo and behold, yeah. I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not walking my talk here. And actually yeah. Adam just let us know through his conversations and through his behavior that he was not happy living in those segregated environments. And we finally yeah. then worked it out with New York State to um, start utilizing self-directed options. But the reason mm -hmm. I'm talking about that is because the difference between the young man that we had that was really living in many institutions, right, to the mm -hmm. young man that mm -hmm. we have now is, is night and day. We can, mm -hmm. I can't even tell you the difference that um, he, he's just a different young man now, that he's part of the community, that he's respected, that he's valued, that he participates. Yeah in the community yeah. and it's just been so when I have those conversations even if we're struggling about you believe this I believe this I really try to mm -hmm. show them that the difference between you know institutionalization versus living and being yeah. a part of the community um, yeah yeah how were you really able to pull that question? off Joyce yeah yo, um, you did that's a, that's a fantastic okay. in fact one of one of the things um, that I know both of us here uh, I was just uh, yesterday in um, in Oklahoma City 
um, with the partners in policymaking uh, group. And and Joyce, you have such an intimate experience with partners yeah. in policymaking. We'll talk we'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. But okay. one of the while we're staying on this notion of 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 some of the ways that you've been able to really uh, safeguard that that Adam has true com, uh, community experiences and. You talked about you were able to work something out with the state of New York for some self-directed or from some community-directed yeah. um, uh, activity. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because families raised that with me just yesterday in Oklahoma. Uh, they, 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 they're frustrated because they want their son or daughter involved in, in the community, but they just aren't getting the system's support for that. To respond. What, what, how did you, yeah, how did you, how did you pull that off? Well, actually, probably about mm, over 10 years ago, New York State began this initiative, and it's called Self-Directed Supports and Services. Um, so they put it out there, and the idea is that if you're either living in an institution or you're living with your family, but you don't want to go live in an institution or you don't want um, structured programs, per se, um, they provided this opportunity, with funding, by the way, for families and, for families and self-advocates to really kind of call the shots. Um, and in Adam's case, what it was is, so we took a look at his budget, right? What it was cost in New York State to have him live in a group home. And at that point, it was right. $100,000. It was $100,000 a year. And wow. I, and I've wow. Got, yeah, and I've got to tell you, when I looked at his quality of life and the life that he was leading and the life that he wanted to lead, that made no sense to us at all. So we jumped on the opportunity, worked with Beth Mount a little bit, actually, to, to develop a person-centered plan for Adam. And then mm -hmm. went to New York State and say, look, this is the kind of life he wants to lead. This is how we'll support him. But this is the other, these are the other pieces that we need to support him. So what is it going to take? So then we worked with a number of people and developed a budget. And there's all kinds of people involved with this, Al. There's support yeah. brokers. There's fiscal intermediaries. I mean, there's family members. There's circle of support. So we, mm -hmm. did, we actually worked together to uh, and with Adam. Adam actually led the way to help Adam create a life that he really wanted to live. Um, and that yeah. took, at that time, it took about three years for us to get through that process. But he's mm -hmm. been living in his own apartment for over seven years now with support. Um, wow. I won't say yeah. we don't have support. But the interesting thing about that, Al, his budget is now $50,000. So Jeez. for $50,000. Yeah. Half, half the price. Yeah. 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 Half the price. And his life, I can't even put a value on his life at this point because it's literally night and day. And so, yeah. you know, I, I go back to when, you know, when students and people are included in the community earlier on, the, you know, the statistics prove that it's easier to keep them included in the community later. And so, yeah. you know, I could mm -hmm. kick myself a bunch of times, but I can't go back there. But the life he leads mm -hmm. now is yeah it's nothing short of phenomenal um mm. and mm. and he's just really enjoying life and he's contributing in really meaningful ways yeah i know that he came uh, down to uh pittsburgh to to uh, take in the yeah. shania twain he's a yes, big shania twain fan <laughs> that 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 is great well you know um that 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 story you know your passage here in terms of um, in terms of finally getting to what you know you really and Adam really feels is the best um, best uh, you know yeah. uh, scenario for him um, is really really encouraging I think when families hopefully families listening to this podcast um, would be 
you know, inspired by this and say, hey, these things are possible. And, it, it, yeah. and you know, a minute, a minute ago, I mentioned the Partners in Policymaking um, mm-hmm. uh, program. And I know you've been intimately involved in New York State with partners uh, managing it, coordinating it. And uh, talk a little bit about that resource that maybe a family listening to this podcast might, uh, might be able to find out more about. Tell, tell us a little bit about Partners. So in our case, it's New York State Partners in Policymaking, and it was actually funded by the DDPC in New York State, so the Developmental Disabilities Planning Council. And it's been around in New York since the mid-1980s. And the goal, and it's, it's changed form over the, na- over the last couple of years, but the goal is really to bring families, caretakers, and self-advocates together to learn, on, learn to how to impact systemic change. So it's typically an eight-month course. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that it varies around the country, state to state. Actually, it's an international program. Um, wow. But we would bring families and self-advocates, about 40 to 45 together in Albany because that's our capital, right? So we wanted to be where the action is. Um, sure. And you know very well because you came to Albany quite often. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we yeah. brought them together once a month for a weekend. And it was to um, to learn and to challenge and to grow together. So we had the opportunity to bring in um, speakers and presenters and leaders from around the country that would really help us, um, help them frame it so that they had a better understanding of their own goals, but their goals collectively as, as advocates. Um, yeah. So it was eight, eight months for a week, you know, every weekend for eight months. And we paid, the cool thing about the program is we paid for everyone to come. So we paid for the transportation, we paid for the hotel, we paid for their meals. If they needed caregiving support, we paid for that. If they were, you know, if they had to leave their child at home, we paid for that. Or if they needed yeah. to bring a caregiver with them. So the, the goal was to really kind of remove all the barriers so that families and self-advocates could get there. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, go ahead. No, no. I, that I mean, that sensitivity to the realities that families experience. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the coolest things about the whole partners in policy making. Yes, it is. Um, you know, programs around, or really around the world, that they they're yeah. sensitive to the realities of families and and really work hard to adjust and make sure that the families can participate and then get exactly. to learn. You know, get the knowledge. To, to, to be to really be better advocates and not just better advocates for their sons and daughters, but but better advocates for disability related causes generally. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, either in their communities across the state and even nationally. I mean, we've had advocates, you know, kind of rise through the ranks and going on to do you know incredible things. Actually, um, I mean, you met absolutely. you met JD Flores, so she went through yes. the um, Partners in Policy Making program, and she's out there as a national advocate right now, a national disability rights yeah. advocate. You know, really kind of yeah. pounding the pavement. Making sure that her yeah. voice is heard and that others of her others' voices are heard as well. So yeah, 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 that's that's such a phenomenal launching pad and and uh, you know uh, uh, kudos really to the work that you've done uh, not just in New York State but really I know that you've um, you've uh, plugged in nationally on 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 the, the directions of of that particular program. You know, I want to get back to. Uh, to Adam, and you know, often we, mm-hmm. you know, when you and I are together, we've uh, talked a lot about 
relationships and social capital. And one of the one of the uh, the real uh, goals of the interdependence network is to is to continue to explore um, this notion of social capital, the power yeah. of relationships, what they do to you know to people, and and how they help uh, shape lives. And I wondered if you could say a word. You know, since Adam has, you know is has been active in the community, tell us a little bit about the social capital he's developed um, and, and how, that's, uh, how that has been perhaps influential in the kind of man he's becoming. Okay. Well, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this conversation. I was trying to, first I thought, okay, I'm going to list all the ways, right, that social capital has impacted him. And <laughs> there's yeah. no such thing as a list here, Al. You know, it's, right. it's, you know he's, he's a part of the community, but actually I started to kind of think about some specific things that have happened with and for Adam. So one thing, and I'll go back to talk about self-direction for a minute. You know, we get to hire our own staff now with Adam. Adam leads the way, we do the interviews, we hire our staff and we pay the staff through the budget that we get from New York State and the Office of People with Developmental Disabilities. So then you go through the interview process and you hope, right? You're crossing your fingers because it right. seems to me that people can interview fairly well, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they can mm -hmm. tell you what they know you want to hear. And then the proof mm -hmm. is in the pudding when Adam gets out yes. of the community. But it's interesting. So Adam's been utilizing self-directed options and budgets for seven years, as I was saying. So if he's out in the community, but every place that he needed to go, like to the library, go get his laundry done, go to the Y, go to the barber shop. We made sure ahead of time that Adam had really nice relationships with the people that he was going to be either seeing or working with, or they were going to, you know, you know, cut his hair, mm -hmm. whatever that mm -hmm. was going to be. So, yeah. but along the way, his staff would then support him while he was, you know, they transport him or they, you know, be with him to make sure that everything was going, going according to, to plan. Well, interesting enough, in three different cases, that social capital got back to Scott and I and said, look, it, this staff person isn't doing what you think they're doing. They're not performing the job that you hired them to perform. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, hmm. that was really crucial to us. And we realized that Adam yeah. being a part of the community and having those relationships, was, and they were really nice reciprocal relationships. And we talked about that. Um, that made a huge difference. And, um, and our approach mm -hmm. and Adam's approach to hiring staff and how we were going to go about that. So that was yes. really interesting, that take on that. Um, but it's, you know, it's other things. You know, he works at the wine store. I think, you know, that's with his sister on Tuesday night. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and if for some reason he's not there, people ask Ashley, his sister, where is Adam? Is he okay? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, wow. and then he'll come in yeah. and then, you know, They'll say, Adam, you know, can you recommend a wine for us? You know, things like that. So mm -hmm. that's really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. He's developed, a, he's, you know, he's developed a burger blog. He and two of the support staff have developed this burger blog. So they go out and they blog in, you know, in Rochester community. They go to different restaurants. They have their T-shirts. They ask, you know, they tell them they're coming in, that they're going to really kind of rate the burger. That's what it's about. But now so restaurants know that Adam and the staff are coming. Um, to talk about their burgers. He gets recipes from people all over the community now, saying, at, because he does a, a do-it-yourself burger as well. Um, so then they'll send recipes. So that kind of pushed him in another direction. Um, he he um, volunteers for Meals on Wheels. He, um, he does a lot of work with Catholic Charities, 
And what's cool about that is Catholic Charities has really given him a platform to be part of the bigger community. So now he's out there public speaking, you know, doing things like that to talk about his life and the meaning that his life has. Um, so it's just been, when I think, I go back to, when I think about, you know, over seven years ago, where he was when he first, you know, moved into his apartment to where he is now, it's night and day. And again, you know, people just respect and enjoy him. And it, it's really about reciprocality. It's just, we did not want this to be one-sided. So Adam will then check in with people to make sure they're okay if he doesn't see them, that, you know, meals on meals yeah. or something like that. Um, so it's yeah. really... You know, this this is kind of a dream, and we always want more for him as well, and he wants more. So we continue to, you know, to move down down the road and see what else is out there for him. Um, but again, he leads the way. He lets us know. You know, he was interested in burgers and just talked about burgers, and he does a lot of, you know, cooking with Scott. And um, we said, you know, well, what about a burger blog? And then he did the research on it and figured out that, yeah, yeah. this is something that he wanted to do. Um, what so what a what a yeah that's such a this is such a wonderful sort of explanation of you know just being a natural part of of your community yeah. and what's happened yeah. with with Adam is uh, is 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 just you know is is really I think for people listening to the blog kind of gives us a sense of what you know what could be and I know a lot of times families sort of feel they they start giving up. You know, you, right. you mentioned uh, uh, earlier in the conversation that uh, that there was still this uh, this notion of congregating and segregating. And I know, um, uh, you know, you hear sometimes from families, they just want their sons and daughters to be safe. They begin to give up right. on the on the, the possibilities that community um, is where safety lies. I mean. When yeah. you're known in the community, you mentioned when yeah. folks come into the wine store and say, where's Adam? You know, if, yeah. if he's not there, that's the stuff that keeps people safe. And exactly. and so I think this, this this discussion or this description is really, really right, right to that, uh, the, the, the core of that reality. Um, um, that, that's well, fantastic. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the other thing I was going to say, also, the interesting thing is, and I have these conversations with parents and professionals all the time, right? We think our kids are safer in, right, congregate, segregated environments. Well, truth mm -hmm. is, Adam made the New York Times expose article about mm, eight and a half years ago when we were going through this process of utilizing yeah. self-direction. Um, and he was abused and neglected in the group home. And it was mm -hmm. a pattern of a couple staff people. You know, they were in the union and things didn't, you know, the union supported them right. and never pulled them out or pulled them away from the kids. But I have those conversations mm. all the time. You, I mean, right, you're not there to see what's going on 24-7. And maybe I'm not with Adam 24-7 out in the community, nor should I be, by the way. You know, he, he's a young mm -hmm. man. He should not have his mother hovering over him. But it's just like you or I being out, being out in the community, making sure um, those Connections are working, and they do work. And actually, so much so that Adam broke his wrist, um, and he does not relate mm. to pain. So yeah. the yeah. story goes, he he was with a Y, and you know, I I we didn't see it, and we see him quite often. But it turns out one of the members of the Y was a physical therapist, and said to the staff that was with them, "You might want to get that X-ray because just the way he was holding it was looking wrong." Well, turned out he had a broken wrist. We never would have known. Maybe along the way we huh. would have known. But 
yeah. physical therapist knew Adam and knew the way he responded when he was exercising and said, you might want to take a look at that. And lo and behold, he had a broken wrist. Um, now I thought that was as a mom. It's like, holy crow. But he doesn't relate yeah. to pain. So there was no yeah. way that, you know, just seeing him here and there that I really would have realized that he had a broken wrist. Yeah. That yeah. was. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for those community relationships, exactly. he would have not. Uh, not had that, uh, you know, that, that exactly. diagnosed or that identified, you know, that, exactly. uh, let me, let me, you know, th th this again, very inspiring conversation. Let me ask you though, what, uh, you and I've talked uh, a lot uh, when we've been together and when we've done conferences together about going deeper, um, as it relates to relationships. And we know, uh, when you look at social capital theory, that, that um, it's those covenant deeper relationships that are mm -hmm. really the ones that are most satisfying. And, uh, and I think the challenge before us as we begin to help people build more social capital is to move those relationships to a deeper level. And I just wondered your thoughts on that. You know, when we're talking about, you know, uh, in a very personal way with Adam, but, you know, I mean, even to the point of Adam, you know, finding someone who really is going to be um, there for him and with him over mm -hmm. and above, of course, his family. You know, I mean, right. we expect families are going to always uh, stay connected with uh, with their loved ones. But but, you know, those those deeper, more covenant relationships uh, where somebody pair bonds and they're with somebody. Um, What's, what's some of your thoughts about, about that challenge uh, uh, as, it, as it relates to people building, building relationships? Well, and it is a challenge, isn't it? Because, you know, mm. I, get, I get torn in between pushing Adam too hard and really paying attention to how Adam needs to navigate and develop those relationships in his life. Um, mm-hmm. So when I, when I think about those deeper relationships and apparently, you know, my husband and I aren't going to live forever. Right. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, you know, this so is a real reality, you know, yeah. it, it is, it is. And, you know, he's got a brother and a sister. They have lives too. Not that they won't be involved, but it's right. So right. how do we develop those meaningful relationships yeah. that will really support him and being, be around um, and it's supporting him in a way that he needs to be supported, not the way they think he needs to be supported. And, you know, pay attention mm -hmm. to his health and his safety. Um, yes. And we're actually, that that will continue to be a struggle for us. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I mean, we're mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. we certainly don't have all the answers. I mean, he's got right. two staff people right now, and I don't keep, I don't want to say that we're always going to look for staff, but he's yes. got two staff yeah. that right now that are phenomenal. And we're starting to take a look at, you know, what can we do with those relationships and still yeah, keep them authentic, yeah, yeah. right? And keep them mm -hmm. reciprocal. Yes. But, but what can we do and how do we support Adam yeah. so that he has those relationships so that when we're not around, people are still here that want, that will care for him, make sure that he's okay, but also make sure that Adam's giving back in return because then I think it gets burdensome and that's not what we want for our kids, yeah. right? We don't want them yeah. to be a burden. Um, right. So right. we're just now, we are really just now thinking harder about that. I don't know that I yeah. have any answers. Um, no, I, I mean, there, there are, right, there aren't any clear answers no. on that. That's the next big things, I think, for, the, for those yeah. of us that are, that are advocates and passionate about macro change. That's, yep. I think, where we have to start 
putting our attention and beginning to say, you know, how can we begin to get deeper in understanding relationships and then really um, recognizing um, the ways that we can be supportive, either as family members or as advocates, um, in, in allowing those kinds of deeper relationships to begin to manifest. You know, right, Joyce, and we this, this is, yeah, go ahead. I was, was going to say, say you know, this is such, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We, don't, we don't want them to be artificial relationships either, you know. Right, so right. How, you know, if we want them to be strong, kind, you know, authentic relationships. Yes. You know, how do we support our kids with that? And, and, and I, like I said, I don't have all the answers for that, but, mm-hmm. I, but I know that it's work that we need to do. Yeah. And maybe that's uh, maybe the real um, uh, stepstone that we can take on that challenge is uh, through things like this podcast and through the Interdependence Network and our website at buildingsocialcapital.org. People can weigh in, advocates, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. self-advocates, you know, uh, human service professionals that are really passionate about macro change. Maybe we can begin to have a conversation about this uh, using the the Interdependence Network uh, website as a as a uh, platform for us as a community uh, to to explore and to examine these kinds of uh, you know these kinds of initiatives that that are necessary in in going further uh, with all of this. Um, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, that we, we we obviously need that, and we're hopeful mm-hmm. that the Independence Network can really offer that kind of a platform. Give us just as we get ready to sort of wrap this uh, up, Joyce. What what makes you most hopeful? Um, and I know you're such an optimistic person, and I always I always uh, enjoy spending time with you because it's it's always uplifting. But but what what are you most hopeful for? Now, not just with Adam, but as a field, as a as we move forward in terms of disability rights, what what makes you most hopeful? Um, good question. Um, I would say mm-hmm. a couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. I see a new generation getting energized, right? So yeah. again, we're not yeah. going to live forever, and um, but I see a new generation really paying attention to you know, advocacy and their children and, um, and what it, you have to do to build allies. So I, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that um, if we can get a new generation to continue to, you yeah. know, to pave the way. Um, mm-hmm. And to, I guess the other thing is I feel like, and we just had, I was telling Jeff, we just had a major um, employment summit in Rochester last week. And we really talked about, um, not lowering expectations for people with disabilities. And I think that Mm -hmm. if we can continue to, you know, if we can encourage people and lead the way with presuming competence of people with disabilities, Mm -hmm. I think that can be a game changer, actually. Um, So that I'm I'm hopeful about. Um, You know, at least in New York State, the trend is towards Um, Mm self-direction. And, you know, supporting families and their children and adults with disabilities to, you know, live a life that works for them, a meaningful life that works for them. And, you know, of course, there's rules and regulations around everything because it's taxpayer dollars. So I get that and I respect that. Um, But there's a lot of wiggle room in those, you know, in those boundaries per se. And um, I think that if we can continue in that direction and, you know, and there may be young adults, even children out there that really need more support than self-direction can offer. 
I don't know for sure about that, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe mm -hmm. we the more systemic kind of or the more um I guess the more supportive types of environments for them, but then really mm -hmm. utilize self-direction for others that can really be out there and doing it in the community. Mm -hmm. But you know, then as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about, you know, there are a couple of young adults that I know that really have um, intense needs. They have intense medical needs along with their right, um, intellectual right, disability. Right. But they're utilizing self-direction and they're out there. You know, mm -hmm. so and and if I take the philosophy and I believe this that everyone is met everyone is who they're exactly supposed to be, right? If I pay attention to right. that and I pay attention to Lou Brown who says, you know, you only need one digit to be able to work. Mm -hmm. You know, if mm -hmm. I pay attention mm -hmm. to Beth Mal and all those yeah. and you yeah. and your and your teachings mm -hmm. as well. If I pay attention mm -hmm. to all that, the people are safer in the community, that everyone deserves to have relationships and not just with, you know, their little core group of people that they're with. Um, right. Then right. that right. gives me hope. I mean, yeah. but again, and this is the next the next group of leaders that are coming along, and I get really excited about that. Yeah, that's, Joyce, I can't uh, thank you enough for um, being available today for for this conversation because I think it 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 is a hopeful conversation and you know we're we still have challenges no question but of course, but right. that, that notion of the successes and building on those successes and continuing to think about the kinds of things that we need to do uh, to make this a, a a world where everybody belongs um, exactly. is uh, you know is is beginning to unfold and. And so we've been we've been talking um, with Joyce Steele today and the You Can Call Me Al uh, podcast, and and uh, we've been examining um, you know inclusion and how people uh, can become active and real parts of their community. Joyce, I want to thank you for taking the time today, and I really look forward to our continued work together as we work to change the world. Thanks again, Joyce, for Thanks. being a part of this uh, podcast. Same here, Al. Thanks so much to you.